is we cannot let this sort of new age weird idea about what healthy boundaries are start to take over because it's not healthy. Healthy boundaries mean you aren't negotiating everything all the time. It means you're in your boundary. The other person is in theirs. You communicate openly and honestly and then make a decision from there. Yeah, it takes more time. Yes, you have to communicate honestly. It's good for your heart to be honest and truthful, right? (laughs) Really quickly is you also need to be grounded and you also need to be connected to the big energies above, whatever you want to call that, if you want to call that divine. You know, your boundaries can't exist on their own by themselves because then you're just like a beach ball and you've got these super duper boundaries, but everyone's just kicking you all over the place like a beach ball. And so the sovereignty piece is boundaries and grounding and a connection, your own connection to the above. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives and always on our own terms. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. I'm really excited about today's episode because we'll be talking about a topic that's been highly requested by many of our listeners. It's the practice of creating healthy boundaries. As you can imagine, this can be covered from so many different angles. And to help me dive deeper into this, I am really honored to introduce you to our guest. I had the pleasure of being on a panel with her moderating an engaging conversation about the evolution of our soul and how to manifest our soul's mission at our August Dreaminar. Her profound insights and wisdom and sharp humor were so well received and compelling, I had to invite her to PS to help us understand how to create healthy boundaries in our lives so we can strengthen our relationships, especially with our loved ones and ourselves. She is a shamanic healer, teacher, author, and the founder of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing, where she teaches individual and community shamanic healing experiences, workshops, and classes. She's also the host of her podcast, Why Shamanism Now, where she explores the practical application of shamanic skills in our contemporary lives for a more enriching spiritual maturity. Please meet Christina Pratt. Welcome to the show, Christina. It's really great to speak to you again. Chris, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here with you. Thank you. So, Christina, I really enjoyed your podcast episode about what are healthy boundaries. And you spoke of how we get messages externally that define whether we're supposed to have boundaries or not. And I found that point really interesting. So I'd love to start there, Christina. What do you mean by that? And I'm going to assume, but of course, you're going to help us really understand this. But Do you mean external messages like from our culture and our family? Yes, I think um, these messages are also very uh, gender different, gender defined, at least in Western culture. So it's easy to go for the most reactive examples, but to just stay at at really the most basic we all live at as children, we are dependent on our caretakers. And it's the nature of being a child. There's no way to change that. And so we get in this this, uh, situation where we're learning to perform in certain ways to get the food and get the love, which we do need to survive in a very real way as a child. And so we're already starting to shape our sense of who we are based on how people outside of us are reacting. So this isn't, you know, like some some crazy wild idea. This is just part of growing up. Now, if we have healthy parents who are parenting in a good way, they're one um, teaching us through that process to have a sense of ourself. When, when we learn to say no, that a certain amount of those no's are actually respected because yes and no is boundary language. So with healthy parenting, children would be taught to, to begin to cultivate this sense of having their own boundaries because, because having boundaries is an expression of your sovereignty. And, and as, mm-hmm. a, as a healthy parent, you'd want to be supporting the age-appropriate growth of sovereignty in your child. The challenge is, one, unhealthy parenting, but 
what I want to really respect is how many children get raised by a single parent and how hard it is for a single parent to have the energy, even for one child, you know, just to be able to keep showing up in that way and seize all of those moments and opportunities to, to help your child craft their energy body. I mean, most people are just trying to figure out how to feed them. Yeah, no, those are some really important points you made there. And especially about how you said, you know, creating the boundaries is an expression of our sovereignty. That was a really bold point. And, and, you know, starting from parenting, I mean, I, I feel like our creating boundaries and communicating our boundaries, Christina, within our family and especially parenting, I can speak very personally for myself. And we've had some people write in that that's one of the hardest areas within a relationship dynamic to create and to communicate that boundary. So actually, before we tap into that, can you help us, you know, define what is a healthy and an unhealthy boundary? Because, you know, you spoke of, you know, to have it is an expression of your sovereignty and it can really stem from some unhealthy parenting, but is there a specific way you can help us individually identify if I'm in a certain relationship dynamic, how can I know that I am creating healthy or unhealthy boundaries? Yeah. I'm actually going to sort of talk about this a little bit from the perspective of, you know, if I were able to talk to my younger self. (laughs) I love it. Yes, let's do that. Exactly. Because I really, I want to share that although I got reasonably decent parenting and somewhat codependent, you know, taught me also to be somewhat codependent. So I've had to go on this journey myself. It's not like I got perfect parents and thus I know these things. It's more like I got a mix And so I was supported in my sovereignty and the belief that I could do whatever I set out to do in my life. And, you know, there were also things that undermine that. And so what I found as an extremely high functioning, um, I studied science, I studied chemistry in college at at a really good school, and I was really pretty high performing in a normal Western definition of that. And I had zero boundaries. (laughs) boundaries. <laughs> I don't know how I managed to pull that off, I'm not sure now. But basically, I didn't have boundaries at all. And so as I moved into my um, graduated from college and got my initial jobs in life and started working and trying to manage my own adult life, like no longer in the safety of being in college, but now I'm in the world trying to juggle everything, the, the lack of boundaries suddenly became pronounced and apparent, although I didn't know what it was. But what it showed up as is chronic illness and pain, chronic relationship problems, no matter how hard I tried to do everything I thought was right to do in relationship, to be honest, to communicate, to have the hard conversations, you know, to know what I like sexually and communicate that, to be a good partner in life, you know, all of the things, trying to be in good relationship with my parents and yet having a lot of struggles around that and constant struggle at work, uh, which is that whole leveraging around, you know, how bad do I need this paycheck? I want to, you know, these people are driving me crazy. Do I really need this paycheck? Well, the whole thing, all of that was a symptom of my perspective on what was going on because I had no boundaries influenced by my energetic experience of what was going on because I had no boundaries. So it's my mind's experience of it and my body heart experience of it. And I was pretty tortured. And so I, um, one thing led to another, and I ended up meeting this amazing teacher named Phyllis Pay, who was teaching a thing called intuitive energy processing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure she's still teaching, so I'm not going to go further into that, but I do want to honor Phyllis. In that class, what, what I learned was, one, that I had an energy body and that I had a symbolic language I could pay attention to to learn to communicate with what that energy body was trying to tell me. 
And so by symbolic language, I mean, literally that language your dreams use at night or your, your soul uses at night to communicate with you in your dreams. So we all have a symbolic language to not to get too wildly shamanic about it, but it's just that, that symbolic, intuitive, inspired dream language we have with ourselves, And in some ways we're similar to each other in that language as humans on this planet. And in some ways are very unique based on our life experience. And it all comes together to make your symbolic language. And so what Phyllis taught me, much to my frustration, is because I really didn't want to have to know these things. I, I just wanted to do my life the way my culture was telling me to do it. I, I was really good at succeeding in that way of being. And I really wasn't sold on the idea that all of the problems I were experiencing were a direct result of that way of being, right? <laughs> so I had, was, hadn't quite bought in yet to the understanding that the expectations on a woman in in the United States are unrealistic in every possible way and unequal and unfair. Right? I haven't quite gotten there yet completely. Anyway, <laughs> what Phyllis taught was that we have an inner energy body. And, and this was the beginning of what I now teach, which is essentially understanding that that inner energy body is made up of the input of all four aspects of who you are as a human. Every human being is physical is emotional, is mental, and is spiritual. And you can mm-hmm. define your particular personal flavors of those things. It doesn't really matter. The bottom line is we are all all of those things. And those wis- they're all a wisdom body. They each have their own language and their own aspect mm-hmm. of our self and sovereignty that they tend. And so part of what those wisdoms do when they come together is they create the sense of an inner landscape and that inner landscape needs three things. It needs its space defined. How do I know what is me and what is you? Now, when I'm in an ecstatic or meditative state, I'm one with all things. That's great. We don't live there. It's a really important thing for people to recognize. We don't live in an expanded out oneness state at all times. If you do that, your child will starve, right? It's like, it's, it, we're meant to touch it. We're meant to know it. We're meant to use it to remind us of what we really are and to keep our values in perspective, but we don't live there. We live in the physical world with children that need our care, with lovers that need our kisses, with work in the world that we need to do, which requires we have a sense of ourself as a soul incarnate with a purpose that has sovereignty to get that done. And so our human existence is that as a dynamic between those two things. And so we can't just say, oh, well, I, I'm in the oneness. It's like, no, when I need to get stuff done, I'm me. And I need to know where I end and the rest of you begin. And the rest of the world begins around me because it's not just human beings here. That's a boundary. And that boundary is contributed to by my physical body's wisdom, which is your gut sense. Do not go in that alley, right? That gut sense, don't do that. Don't turn left or do suddenly turn left that gut sense it is also contributed to by my emote by my emotion and my sort of soul sense of what's going on my deep intuitive capacity to connect there is a mental component of it and the mental component is back to what i was saying about that child at 2 when they learn to say no the mental component is how your language and your communication is congruent with your own sense of your boundaries. And then there's the spirit sense, which is that sense is you are always capable of growing and becoming more than where your boundaries are in the moment. But in the moment, you honor yourself by respecting where your boundaries and limits are. So each part of the wisdom body contributes to the boundary. So the boundary is an energetic thing, that I create through my practice, my daily practice of um, awareness around my energy body. It's the language that I choose to share with people through the day. No, I'm sorry. I can't stay late at work tonight. I need to do X, Y, Z with my kids. I've made this promise. I'm not willing to break it. 
Or yes, I can let me call my partner. They can pick up the kid at school. Like what it's that yes and no, like, yes, doesn't mean I like you. No, doesn't mean I don't like you. Yes. And no, are is boundary negotiation. And so if you can't say no without feeling guilty or shameful or some problem, you do not have healthy boundaries. Right. It's a really, really, there's so many books written that basically have the title. When I say no, I feel guilty. Yeah. That's actually, Christina. <laughs> yeah. That's actually going to be a follow up, a separate episode all about how to say no without feeling guilty. Cause that's exactly it. So many of us struggle because, and that's part of, as you said, a part of the language of setting the boundaries, but we're just so caught up in if I say that, like the judgment from other people, how is it going to affect when I feel like so much of what you have been saying so profoundly about all these wisdom bodies is coming into ourselves, understanding our inner self first and the work and journey that we go on to understand what is our own defined boundary. What are, could you say it's part of our standards as well too? Cause it's, kind of the language I've been using as I've been going on this personal journey as well too, Christina, where probably if you asked me, like even 20 years ago when I was in 20, I didn't know how to set boundaries. I probably didn't even know what that meant. I was just going along trying to get through school and, and you know, my early days career. But as I got to know myself better, I know now what I have standards for, what I don't, what my limits are, but I still struggle very, very much in communicating it sometimes, especially with, again, family. Yeah. So one of the things is when we, when we have no boundaries, and again, I'm speaking from my own experience of getting well into my twenties with no boundaries, right? (laughs) Very aware of no, that, that essentially you're in a codependent dynamic with people. And I know that's really an old fashioned word. Nobody really wants to talk about it anymore, but the bottom line is y'all are doing it. So you really should educate yourself. About it. You know, it's not how we want to talk about it now. It's not cool enough, but the truth is we're doing it right. Yeah. And, and that when, our, when our dynamics for our energy body and our boundaries are set up in our family of origin with how we learn to relate with our parents and our family and our siblings and all of that, when that's how we learn to do this and we have not deeply re-educated ourselves, then our boundaries are codependent. It just, it just, it, go educate yourself. Okay. But to move on from there. Um, so what happens when you first start setting boundaries is things appear to get worse because mm-hmm. when you don't have boundaries. Other people are literally living on your energy. It's very yeah. vampiric. Why we have all these 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 bad guys in our you know TV land, and we romanticize them because the bottom line is energetically we're all doing it. You've all dated someone who turned out to be a zombie. Right? You've all been in relationship with someone who turned out to be a vampire. So yeah. I, you know you get my point. So yeah. the point is though, when you cut people off from what is essentially their drug, they get angry, mm-hmm. right? And so the big challenge with starting to have healthier boundaries is initially it seems problematic, but you need to go through that because what you're really doing is cutting addicts off from their drug and the drug is your energy. Your energy is yours to do what you have come into this life to do. And you can choose to use your energy to help other people, but you do not help people by enabling them and letting them just feed off your energy. And so this is a really, it seems like a harsh understanding for people today, especially when people are so deeply into this sort of relentless positivity and we don't want to judge this and we, we have to use all the right words and not trigger anybody. If you do not have healthy boundaries, starting to have healthy boundaries will trigger the crap out of everybody in your circle. <laughs> you need that that. And do it anyway, mm-hmm. because you'll inspire those that are worth friendship will be inspired by you and will learn themselves to have healthier boundaries. Those that don't want to go there, you want to know that now. You want to know that before you get a job with them. You want to know that before you marry them. You want to know that before you commit to going on a 90 day tour around the world with them. 
You don't want to be around people that aren't willing to respect your boundaries and limits and to honor you respecting theirs. Mm-hmm. And so this is an aspect of healthy boundaries that is getting really in the, in the 30 years of my practice, the degradation around people's understanding and will of what healthy boundaries means and a willingness to have it is horrifying to me. And so I, I'm so happy with the main, I mean, I would talk with you about anything, Chris, but <laughs> one of the main reasons I was like happy to jump on this topic is we cannot let this sort of new age weird idea about what healthy boundaries are start to take over because it's not healthy. Healthy boundaries mean you aren't negotiating everything all the time. It yeah. means you're in your boundary. The other person is in theirs. You communicate openly and honestly, and then make a decision from there. Yeah, it takes more time. Yes, you have to communicate honestly. It's good for your heart to be honest and truthful, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boundary really quickly is you also need to be grounded and you also need to be connected to the big energies above, whatever you want to call that, if you want to call that divine. You know, your boundaries can't exist on their own by themselves because then you're just like a beach ball and you've got these super duper boundaries, but everyone's just kicking you all over the place like a beach ball. And so the sovereignty piece is boundaries and grounding and a connection, your own connection to the above. I just wanted to finish that thought from earlier. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you said something that was, I mean, everything that you were saying is always so profound and insightful, but I found it really refreshing, Christina, when you said that, especially this idea within the new age, you know, notion of a healthy boundary, that it's not about negotiating everything all the time. Like that was really, really refreshing because I feel that some people may want to judge you also for setting specific standards, being on on a apologetic about it. And it's okay to say that, no, I'm not going to negotiate with you on this. Like this is who I am. And it's because I am so sure of myself in what I can handle what my limits are, what my standards are, and and not feel bad about myself in communicating that. So thank you for just saying that. And so so once you have um, once you begin to to take on the project right of healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. and you recognize initially it's going to ruffle people's feathers and put their pet, pet their fur the wrong way, right? But you yeah. need to keep it because the other thing that it does is it then shows you. What are your beliefs you hold that keep you from having a healthy boundary? So that, you know, really the important thing is while everybody else is having a kerfluffle over you and your new boundaries, you need to pay attention about where is your fear? Where is your resistance? Where are your beliefs? And to do that kind of internal personal work and clearing by whatever means you do that to get rid of the old ideas you've taken on that actually tell you you're not free. You're not right. You're not empowered to have your own healthy boundaries. That is far more important work than worrying about everybody else and their kerfluffle, right? Yeah. (laughs) You really need to get to that piece where you're looking at how how am I undermining my own healthy boundaries with my own beliefs and my own deeper uh, fears and um, shame, these these things. And this brings you into the kind of inner family work that we all need to do. So there's no point in not doing it. We all need to get there sooner is better. Exactly. Well, and and you brought up another operative word, belief, because at the end of the day, I I feel like creating boundaries, it relates to and stems so much part of our own belief system, everyone's individual belief system. And again, like going back to, you know, one of my biggest struggles. And, and as I mentioned earlier in our conversation that some of our listeners have written about is this boundary with our parents and especially with parents who simply believe that they have the right. They have the right to know everything because they're the parent. They have the right to interject and always be right because it's their right. So can you help? Because, <laughs> you know, that's a really hard one, Christina. And even at the age of 40 that I am, and my parents are very old 
not very, but in some respects, yes, very still traditionally old fashioned Korean. And that has a lot of cultural expectations, but you know, and then I have my own or own inner guilt. If I set these boundaries, is it going to offend them? Is there a way that we, with parents who believe a certain way because of their own conditioning and their own, you know, ways they were brought up to communicate that that's can be healthy and understanding. Yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a really important piece because in healthy parenting, you know, there are many, many dynamics to healthy parenting, but around boundaries in healthy parenting, what children need to cultivate you know, the, the qualities you would want to see your child cultivate, you know, intelligence, the ability to, you know, think through things on their own, um, you know, ultimately their own sovereignty, their own ability to succeed in the world and be a good citizen, you know, and love their children. You, you know, you, that's what we want our children to have. And ideally, you know, parents should want their children to go beyond them, right? To just be able to be that, to take what the parents have given them and take a step further and to do the same thing for the grandchildren right? Okay. But here's the deal that gets missed with the parents that try to know everything or think that to be a good parent, you have to present the front that you know everything. Cause you know, every single parent is shaken in their boots, but <laughs> right, present that front that they know everything. And they think that that's what it means to be a good parent. But the truth is children are deeply intuitive and emotional creatures. And they do know what's going on. They don't know what to call it. They don't know the words for it. They may not know why. They don't necessarily know the larger context. But when things are very bad and you say to them, everything's fine, they know you're lying. And that then makes them think, well, am I wrong or is my parent wrong? Well, a child can't accept that their parent's wrong. They need their parents to be right. So the child's going to start saying, well, then I'm wrong, which means my intuition is inaccurate. So that's what you're teaching your children when you override their accurate intuition of what is going on in the moment and don't share with them age appropriate response, which in that situation could be, okay, things are really problematic right now. You're absolutely right, but you're fine. I've got you and we'll deal with this. Right? It's like a different way instead of presenting this, everything's fine front. But the issue around boundaries, particularly in that context is to raise a child that understands the dynamic between discipline, the discipline it takes, the hard work it takes to do things you need to do in your life, and then the freedom to be who you really came here to be and how those two things work together in a human. Mm -hmm. You need to give your children boundaries that they push up against. And when they demonstrate, they are responsible enough to, to, to hold that boundary themselves you need to expand that boundary, but still give them the next level of boundary. So it's this constant process of really knowing where your kid is and being involved with what, what protection do they really need? When are they showing they can actually take that on themselves, right? And then expanding the boundaries out. And so being involved in this sort of boundary dynamic with your children is an aspect of healthy parenting. So by the time they are in their teens, they are already ready to have a really healthy communication about their own responsibility for their own boundaries in life, which has a sex component. It has a go do your life component. It has a um, how you would teach, treat others component. And it has a who you are as a citizen component. Like all of these things are, can, all of these conversations can be very healthy and fruitful if they're built on the fact that you've already been in this, this dynamic with your children. Not that you're necessarily talking about it in that language, but you're working with them around the boundaries you set for them, which you're supposed to do as a parent. That's the thing as a child is you don't know how to do that yet. Right. And you want to have that naturally and being a natural growth process around it. So by the time you're a teen, which is of course the age you would be initiated into adulthood in an indigenous culture, you've laid the groundwork to have conversations about with your teenagers about how they deal with the world and have boundaries in it. And so when you're adult, so now you're an adult child with your parents. Right. So if, Right. So if you haven't had that dynamic already, 
right, in your childhood with your parents, if your parents kind of haven't been healthy with you about boundaries as a kid, this is a really a challenge for adult children with their adult parents. And so part of it is recognizing that as an adult, you have a right. This is back to sovereignty. I'm speaking in a very archetypal level. Mm-hmm. As an adult, you have a right to speak to your parents respectfully and honorably in a way that demands that their relationship with you changes, that you are now treated as an adult. Like, I understand I will always be your little girl. I understand I will always be your firstborn or your lastborn or whatever it is, and that you will always be my honored and beloved parents, and I am an adult, and I need you to treat me as an adult with the respect that that deserves based on my behavior in the world. And that's okay to do. And honestly, ultimately, again, it's a boundary. And again, ultimately, they're going to be all reactive and kerfluffled and blah, blah, blah. They'll get over it. (laughs) (laughs) They really will. Especially if you, you know, the thing about people that don't have healthy energy bodies and healthy boundaries themselves, I hate to say this publicly, but honestly, they're pretty easily manipulated. So like you realize, okay, so what this parent really wants is respect. So frame that conversation in a way that's constantly demonstrating your respect for them. This person wants your love. So frame that conversation in a way that's constantly demonstrating your love for them. But the bottom line is people that don't have healthy energy bodies are children. They stay children, even though they grow up into healthy bodies, which we are observing right now in the United States with our current president, right? So now most of your parents aren't that bad. (laughs) As, as grown, grown ass adults, right. We're looking Mm -hmm. at our parents behavior going, man, I love you and respect you, but you're being a 12 year old right now. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) That was like a week ago. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, and this, and and the challenge with that is it's going to happen soon enough. Our parents age and many of them will unfortunately move into some of these really horrible old age mental situations where they are brought back to a childlike state. It's very frustrating. So you certainly don't want to spend your in-between time when they act, when you actually can engage with them in this false childhood space. And so again, they'll adapt. You're, this is the thing about relationships and it's in family systems theory, right? If one person changes, in the system, everybody has to shift. And when we're all adults, you know, that's, that's a really healthy thing to do. So for one person to shift and just hold your ground, you don't have to be an ass about it, right? You hold your ground and just let everybody shift. They will. Not always in exactly the way we'd want them to be. But, but there's a lack of trust in the power of the love in your family relationships when we don't do the right thing, right? And so we need to trust that love. We need to move into that love really fearlessly and vulnerably and state our boundaries and stand up for them with our parents. And you do, I mean, nobody tells you, but you really do as an adult get to say, you know, I am a grown adult right now. Yes, I will always be your whatever. And I need to be treated as an adult. I mean, this is what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement. Like everybody right now is saying, look, we all need to be treated as adults. We are not children, right? This is a huge movement right now in the United States and around the globe of these people that have been held by various unhealthy social dynamics in situations where their sovereignty, their boundaries their own inner guidance is undermined constantly by the system. Everybody right now in, in, in that movement is based, based, one of the fundamental things they're saying is, no, I am an adult. I need to be respected just like the respect you demand for yourself. We all need to move to that place. So got a little bit away from your parent question, but I guess no, my that- point is just, that we get to ask for that as adults. This isn't, and you can do it in a really loving and respectful way. You can even do it in a way that honors traditions. Like if your family has um, like ancestral traditions, for example, you can even talk about them with how you're 
you know, starting to tend your ancestral relationship in traditional ways and learning about things that they value. And with that comes this sort of package deal, which is they need to respect your boundaries. No, that was really, really powerful and eye-opening. For me, it certainly was, and I'm sure it will be for our listeners, that as you come into this age of an older adult child with your parents' relationship, that it is okay to communicate that your relationship changes. Like that to me was so powerful because I even caught myself, you know, telling some of my closest friends, you know, with with the struggles that I still have in creating this healthy boundary with my parents is that verbatim I've said, Christina, you know, I could be 70 and my mother will be 90 and she will still I will still be afraid of my mother and she will still have this thing over me that she's the mother. And so hearing from you, Christina, saying that, no, it's okay to communicate respectfully and in a loving manner that our relationship actually changes, but Mm -hmm. that take away the love and respect. And then also the point about how you can do it with still honoring our, our culture, is also definitely something I think really important and helpful for me as well personally, because, you know, I I catch my parents saying to me when, when there's this not misunderstanding, it's just, they can't see eye to eye when it's like, well, you know, when I was younger, I could never talk back to my dad, you know, (laughs) but the minute I speak my opinion, speak and, and communicate my boundaries or my standards, it's regarded as, or you're talking back to me and you don't have a right to talk back to him because you're still my child. So that. Yeah. You know, and when we're really clear within ourselves about what we're doing, we can find a hundred different ways to say something, to communicate it. When we're not clear within ourselves and we're struggling, then there's only like this one way we can say it. And it usually ends up really being prickly. Right. But when we're really solid and we've done our own inner work around the same issue, in other words, you know, if, if uh, ultimately, let's just say that my mom is bullying me now, if I've done my own inner work around how I'm bullying myself and I'm really clear about all of it and I've adjusted my boundaries and grounding to support that in my life where I feel, you know, it's easier to do that. Then when I speak to my mom about that, I have a hundred different ways to say it. Because I'm really free. If I'm trying to make a point, right, there's only one way I can say it. And it you know, doesn't go over well with our parents. Because, you know, they're the ones that created all of, I mean, our family is the place in which that inner landscape of problems got created. In the first <laughs> yeah, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. So can we briefly touch on then in the intimate relationship dynamic? And in these relationships, I feel that, you know, the emotional boundaries is really intimate. It's really shared. It's intertwined. And so maybe you can actually then paint a picture of what a healthy emotional boundary looks like in an intimate relationship. You know, this is my my favorite class in um, Energy Body Clearing. We do a class on the energy body in relationship. And mm-hmm. this class is always just hysterical. I love this class. I have so few avenues that I get to actually just talk about relationships. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's eye-opening for people um, to really think about how much their challenges in relationship are because in that intimate place, they um, cave in on their own boundaries and sovereignty, Um, you know, to be loved, that whole, Mm -hmm. but I need to be loved. It's like, well, your sovereignty and your healthy boundaries as an adult, this is not true for children. Children do need to be loved. It is a true need. But if you are still as an adult believing that you need to be loved to the degree that you would violate your own standards, you are acting as a child. And as a grown-ass adult, right, we shouldn't be doing that. So that's a place where we need to do our own inner work, right? Because we need to not be being childish or motivated by the need for love to do things that violate our own sense of our own boundaries and sovereignty in relationship. Our intimate relationships need to be that place of refuge that we go, that we are really supported in our, in our vulnerable places. We're supported in our magnificence, right? So, 
So that's the the place where we most often cave and we most need to not cave, right? Mm-hmm. And so what what I really see about relationships with this whole energy body idea. Okay, so I have an energy body because I'm a human and my partner who's also a human has an energy body. Okay. All good so far. The relationship. So once we step into relationship with our intimate person, the relationship takes on its own energy body. So the relationship becomes can be treated as a thing, as 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 a being in a sense that needs to be tended. And so this is the reason, for example, those of you that have had relationship problems and have started working on the relationship, and then it just brought the end of the relationship. It's usually because there's no more energy going into the actual relationship. Now you're just working on it. <laughs> and so there's nothing to work on. And so, so the, that energy body of the relationship happens really naturally when you start spending time with people and you start being intimate with people and you start having deep conversations with people. And, and so uh, in a healthy relationship, each person is contributing equally to all dynamics of that energy body. So, and so if I look at a 1950s, you know, stereotypical American relationship, that's not happening, right? That, that the, the male in that stereotype has one role that is to bring home the bacon and to, to be strong in the physical world and dominant in the mental world, right? And then the, the wife who is, you know, always a woman has the other roles where she's got to take care of the emotional health and the physical health and the spiritual health of the family and that they don't share territory in the, in the relationship, which is why they stay infantile because they're not developing as whole human beings. And so if, if, if you want in your relationship to develop as a whole human being, you, you as a human need to contribute your 50% to the groundedness of the relationship, your 50% to the life force, your 50% to the will and direction of the relationship, your 50% to the love and, and emotion. For those of you that are tracking, I'm just moving through the themes of the chakras, right? Mm-hmm. Like the point is you need to give only 50% of all the aspects of the relationship and the partner needs to be willing to give 50%. And this is a big problem in relationship. As those of you know, who do all the emotional labor in your relationship, this is a, this is a big boundary problem. Now with that ideal stated, I also want to acknowledge life happens, you know, sometimes shit happens, right? (laughs) And so there are times in relationship where those balances will get very much imbalanced. So for example, pandemic, my partner went from being our primary breadwinner to nothing. The practice got closed because of the pandemic and it's only barely open. Right. And so now all of a sudden this whole power dynamic in the relationship changes. And so we had to have a conversation about that and how, how do all the dynamics in our relationship change over time? If the work that I'm doing becomes the primary breadwinning, then there are other things I, I don't have time to do. So, so the point is you have this ideal of we are in partnership. We are each contributing 50% to the relationship of all the different dynamics and receiving 50% from the other, right? And then flowing with that as we need to, to deal with life as it happens. So it requires a great deal of communication, but it also requires that people are already in their own energy body enough and grounded and having healthy enough boundaries to be able to sense, am I over committing? So for most women, my guess, if you're like me, is you probably had an early idea about relationship. If relationship is a bridge, right? I live on one side of the Grand Canyon and my partner or my hopeful partner lives on the other, right? Mm -hmm. So basically I build the bridge because I'm a woman, right? I build the bridge. I do all the things to make a relationship happen. In the beginning, there might be this romantic trying to build the bridge from the other side until sex happens. Right. And now he's just lay over there on the other side, like a big fat lion. Right. And I've got to walk all the way across the bridge to do everything. And a relationship needs to be with someone who's going to meet you in the middle and help you build that bridge and sustain that bridge. Cause that bridge is the relationship between two sovereign beings. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, you can't just 
slip into roles and expect it to work because it doesn't work as a partnership if you're not doing the energetic work to make it a true partnership. Right. And so you have to give, you have to receive, you know, and there's another piece I've been meaning to say in this. I also want to point out these days because when you're in a healthy energy body, you can be very vulnerable and really speak from a place of strength and power about your fears, about your uncertainties and be received really well. When you're not in a healthy energy body, that comes across as either victimy or bullying. Mm-hmm. All, the only thing that the message is the same, the internal impulse is the same, but how it gets delivered is completely changed by whether you've got a healthy energy body, you're doing your personal work around that, or you don't. Mm-hmm. And so that's an important thing in relationship because there's a lot of victimy, bully dynamic going on in relationships where there are isn't the work necessary to maintain a healthy energy body. Yeah. So then would you say it to communicate and have that, those healthy boundaries prerequisite, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing mm-hmm. to open up and that's a healthy thing. And I feel like, because, you know, I certainly know um, and believe that some of the deepest relationships and the one that I'm in now, it's being able to be so vulnerable that has enabled this, really strong dynamic between two individuals. And when that vulnerability is is missing, like how can you be really authentic and build that bridge to use your analogy when and communicate all of your standards and, and limits when you're not even honoring all of who you are by being truly vulnerable? You know, you're absolutely right. And then the next step that I think people don't get to because they're too afraid is, okay, so I am vulnerable and I, I, I honor my limits and my boundaries and I listen to my partners. And what we realize is that the situation is unworkable that way. And people are afraid to get to that place because the next step is, oh, okay, well, then I, I need to understand what I can do to change potentially change my own limits and boundaries back to the idea that everybody forgets is you're meant to be here growing. You're meant to be becoming a more and more magnificent version of yourself, which means you're constantly needing to challenge where your fear levels are. And often it's in those vulnerable sharing moments with your partner where you realize, wow, I'm not who I want to be. I want to be more. I want to be able to meet that partner there or your partner saying, wow, I want to be able to meet you there. How do we get there? How do we grow together? How do we become even more of the really amazing beings that we are? That's to me, the, the, where we're going, not like, Oh my God, I've been vulnerable catastrophe. It's like, Oh, we've been vulnerable and this is really uglier than we thought. (laughs) Let's fix that, you know. I'll be I mean, we're such growing together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, lastly, before I wrap up, and I feel like I can talk to you forever because you're just full of so much wisdom, but you've already kind of touched on some ways to practice creating healthy boundaries, like grounding work, connect to a higher energy and be being vulnerable, doing your own energy work. But, you know, because you're also a shamanic healer and teacher, are there any interesting like shamanic practices that we can integrate into practicing creating healthy boundaries? Well, the shamanic perspective perspective illuminates sort of both sides of this, which is the really simple. So my, the energy of my boundary needs to be reinforced in simple practices on a daily basis. Right. And so, and and sometimes on more extensive practices, but we, you know, basically we need a three minute practice and a 30 minute practice. Right. And you just have to decide which one do you have time to do for the day, but there's a beautiful, um, uh, practice where, 
people, you just reach up to the golden energy above in the heavens and you draw it down through your body and give it to the earth and you draw up the silver energy of the earth and you send it up through the body, up to the heavens. And then you take a moment as you connect with the above and below to feel your boundary taking its shape for that day around you. It's, you know, it doesn't even take a minute, right? And so, so not that that's all you can do, but my point is your practice can be very simple and you're just constantly giving giving energy and conscious awareness and shape in your mind so that your energy can flow into it about what your inner healthy energy body looks like and then your language and your behavior aligns with that it's it's not enough just to use healthy boundary language you, your energy needs to align with that now in doing that you may find there's certain potholes you fall into again and again and again in relationships and that's when shamanic healing can be really helpful because those potholes could be created by more fundamental core energetic um, uh, separations from yourself that can be addressed shamanically. It could be a soul loss situation. It could be a shadow self situation, and it could be potentially an influence from really strong ancestral patterns, which kind of goes back to your question earlier about your parents and their traditions and how they can throw tradition at you. Right? <laughs> um, but anyway, my point is those three things aren't going to be changed by rigorous daily practice. They, they affect our energy body at a more fundamental level and they need to be addressed directly. And shamanism is one of the most effective ways to do that. There are other ways, um, but that would be part of the point of your practice is to notice the potholes in life you fall into over and over and over again and go, hmm, you know, maybe there's a more fundamental solution to this problem because it repeats too often in my mm. life. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, Christina, then I uh, have to ask you this last question because it's something that I like to ask all of my guests. If you can go back to your younger self, to pass on one piece of wisdom, and it doesn't have to be related to boundaries because it kind of touched on the younger self perspective earlier, but pass on any one piece of advice to remind her to live fully in the present and always on her own terms. What would you want to pass on to her? I would pass on actually what I've already said in the show, mm -hmm. coincidentally, which would be I would pass on to her to believe more deeply in the love. Mm hmm that people will heal, they will grow, the love will prevail. Well, Christina, it's you're so enlightening always, and I feel so much more enriched. I'm just having this hour conversation with you, and I know our listeners will. So if you can please tell us where our audience can connect with you more and listen to your robust library on your podcast as well, and maybe even to learn more about shamanic healing and everything else that you do? So the online classes can be found at lastmaskcenter.org. So all classes, on, online classes and in-person classes, once they start up again, are at lastmaskcenter.org. And the hours of free podcasts are at whyshamanismnow.com. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again, Christina, for your time. Always an honor to speak with you. Thank you, Chris. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PS Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.